All right. Well, thanks. You guys can sit down. Thank you, though. I appreciate that. So you got to pray for me, because this is late for me, okay? Because my kids are crazy, so I have to go to bed as soon as I can, so then I can wake up early in the morning and, and get some stuff done. So I'm usually headed towards bed right about now. So anyways, pray for me as I'm preaching. Be like, Lord, keep him awake uh, throughout this sermon. So, so tonight, I uh, just want to say, first of all, it feels good to be here. It feels like home. I've, I've uh, been in this room during many just moments with the Lord, you know, some of the staff members in Chi Alpha, I got the opportunity to, uh, to share messages uh, or where they gave their life to Christ, right, in this room. So it just, it feels like home to be here. So thanks, Pastor Derek, for, or for letting me speak. I'm waiting for the year when he's like, you don't get to preach anymore at Chi Alpha, but he's still letting me preach. So I'm excited uh, to do that. And also just want to say that you guys have an amazing staff here at Chi Alpha. I don't know if you realize uh, just how blessed you are with the amazing staff you have. So can we give them a round of applause? Is the whole team here? Come on. All right. All right, so tonight, Pastor Derek asked me to preach on the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, we're going to be in verses 1 through 3. And Genesis literally means origins or beginning. And, and this is fitting because Genesis is all about origins. It's all about the beginning of the world and the human race. It's about how sin came into the world. It's about the beginning of the Jewish people. If you didn't know, Genesis 1 is the first of two perspectives on the creation story, okay? So Genesis 1 is this like 10,000 foot view of creation. It's this majestic description of how God first created the heavens and the earth. And the chapter conveys God as an all-powerful and transcendent designer who orders the earth. And then Genesis 2 is a complementary account uh, that kind of zooms in on the creation story and specifically on the first human couple. But tonight we're going to be in Genesis 1, and this is when we are first introduced to the Holy Spirit. So it says this in verse 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. All right, so the sermon title tonight, if you're taking notes, and actually tonight would be a good night to take notes. Just want to encourage you, there's a lot of stuff, so bear with me, take some notes, but the sermon title is Waiting to Strike. Okay, Waiting to Strike. Let's pray over it, and we'll dive in. So Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to be here with these beautiful people. It's just such an incredible opportunity, like I said, Lord. So thank you uh, for having me here tonight. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. And Lord, I pray that this would not be just me trying to come up with some good idea or some, some 10 steps or something. But Lord, I pray that this would be a demonstration of your Spirit's power. So Holy Spirit, as we talk about you tonight, we invite you into this room. Just as you hovered over the face of the waters uh, before creation, we invite you to hover over Lang Hall and to strike in this room and, and to bring beauty out of the chaos of our lives. So God, we love you and we thank you. We invite you here now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, so it was some Wednesday night in 2003 or 2004. I can't remember exactly, but I was around 11 years old and I was in the sixth grade. And I had blonde highlights in my hair because that was cool back then. It might be cool again. Honestly, all the trends come back. So if it's cool again, great. But, but this is where I was in sixth grade, looking good. I, I, had to, I had a growth spurt after that. Next picture was much better the next year. But, but anyways, it was a tough time for me. But I got to go to my church's youth group for the first time because I was old enough. 
And I had no idea, I have no idea what was preached about that night. As I look back on it, I have no clue what was preached about. All I can remember about that night is singing the song, Breathe, okay? So it goes like this. It goes, this is the air I breathe. I'm not a good singer. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. And all of you choir people know I sing out of tune, so just be quiet, okay? But as we sang that song over and over again, my heart began to melt. I had given my life to Christ before, probably like 10 times before that, but I was recommitting myself that night. It felt different. That time felt different than the other times. I wept at the altar as a sixth grader, just weeping. Didn't even really know what I was weeping about, but I was overwhelmed by the love of God and overwhelmed by the presence in the room. I, I didn't really have words for, for what God was doing that night, but it felt really significant to me. And I believe it, it was the first time that I encountered the Holy Spirit looking back. That's why it was so startling, because I'd never encountered the Holy Spirit like I did that night. And, and despite this amazing moment at the altar, over the following years, I really struggled in my faith. I, I believed in Jesus, I was sure of that, and I had tons of moments like the one I had at the altar, like tons of moments at conferences and camps and those kinds of things where I'm like overwhelmed by God's presence, but I really struggled to actually live out my faith. I got entangled in a pornography addiction. I struggled with alcohol later in high school. I said the most horrible things, like the, like the most terrible things would come out of my mouth. I did things with girls that I shouldn't have done. I, I dabbled with drugs. I made achievement and success an idol in my life. How many of you know that, that actually... Uh, or making school an idol or like the most important thing in your life is sin, right? You should do good in school. Please do good in school. So Jesus is not an excuse to slack. Actually, I think Jesus compels us to work harder, right? Because we're trying to bring glory to him through the work we do. But I made school an idol in my life. It was an absolute idol. And, and this all began to change, this not being able to live out my faith. About seven years after that original encounter at the altar, Okay, so the night before, this is after my senior year of high school. It's the summer after my senior year of high school. The night before, I got wasted for what felt like the hundredth time. It was every weekend I was getting drunk. And that night, I lost my virginity, which for me was a huge thing to be able to wait till I was married. And, and, and that morning after, I felt unforgivable. I felt so dirty. Before, I kind of was able to make myself feel better by saying I was holier than my friends, I didn't hang out with the best people, but I was older than my friends, right? But now I felt like I had done so much that God could never love me anymore. And I remembered all those moments that I had in God's presence throughout my teenage years, and I couldn't understand why I was still doing the things that I was doing. I grieved it as I was living out Romans 7, 15. This is what Paul said in Romans 7. He said, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. How many of you have been there before? Come on, somebody. We've all been there. We do the things we hate. Our spirit hates it, but our flesh loves it. And when we do it, we feel terrible. I asked the Lord if he could ever forgive me for all the terrible things I had done. And I was weeping again, right? And in that moment, my mom came into my bedroom where I was at and just began to pray for me. She prayed. She said, Lord, show Daniel that there's nothing that he could ever do to separate himself from your love. And in that moment, it felt like the spirit of God gripped my heart. And he told me that he loved me despite all the mistakes I had made. My heart melted once again in his presence. I felt like I was being reborn. You know, like Harry Potter 2 with the, like, like the bird, the phoenix coming back to life? 
That's how I felt, okay? So, and then, and then just a few weeks after this, I started school at the, or at the University of Northern Iowa. I was in Norin 207, great place. If you live there, holla, whatever. But uh, I, I was in, I don't know if that's what they say in college. Anyways, bear with me. I was, I was at UNI, so a few weeks later, I started school at UNI, and we were starting, or I, I met this guy named Jonathan Bartholo, who's actually a pastor in Waverly at Cross Point Church. We have some Cross Point Church people here, right? A few of you? Come on, let's go. Cross Point Church, come on. Come on, somebody. All right, so Jonathan Bartholo was, was starting a Chi Alpha campus ministry there, and, and I got connected with him and got to be a part of starting Chi Alpha on the campus. And I was on this massive spiritual high from that moment over the summer. I was still on this spiritual high. The fact that God could forgive me at my worst, it changed me. I wanted nothing to do with partying. I, I, I had no desire to go back to that completely separated from that lifestyle. I took some bold steps of obedience towards Jesus. But despite all this, despite the good things that were happening, I was still struggling. And specifically, I was still struggling with pornography. Nothing had changed when it came to pornography. It was still something that was happening every day in my life. I, I started, a, it felt like a couple bad relationships in my first week at UNI. Don't know how that happens, but I was an idiot, okay? So thank you, Lord, for helping me. Anyways, I had some bad relationships going on. I was really timid in my faith. It still felt like something was, or it felt like something was missing. I needed something beyond these powerful one-off encounters with God. I needed something that could sustain me on the normal days. I needed to not have Trey following me around playing keys for me to be able to be on fire for the Lord, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you need like all the vibes and the good feelings. I, I needed something beyond that. I needed something where I could be consistent in my faith and actually follow through on what Jesus was calling me to do, I needed supernatural help. Have you been there before? You have intense spiritual highs. Come on, I think probably all of us, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you have these intense spiritual highs, you're passionate for a few days, but then you struggle to keep the fire burning. And you have a vision for what, or for what God wants your life to be like, but you struggle to take the steps necessary to see that vision come to pass. Or maybe you want to share your faith with others, but then when you get in the moment, you freeze up and you don't know what to say. If that's you, if you feel like you need help, take heart. Jesus knew that we would struggle with following through. He knew we would struggle to be the real deal. He knew we would be hypocritical and, and make bold commitments, but then not follow through on them. And that's the whole reason why he had to die on the cross for our sins. Without the cross, we would have no hope because we all fall short of the glory of God. And that applies even after you get saved. It's not like you get saved and then you're perfect after that. Some of you think that. You're like, I should be great by now. I should have everything figured out. I've been following Jesus for six months and I'm still struggling. What is up with that? It's normal, okay? Like Jesus died for you pre-salvation and post-salvation, okay? Pre-making that commitment and post-making that commitment. He died for the in-progress version of you too. He has an ample supply of forgiveness for you as you seek to grow and progressively overcome the struggles in your life. But here's the thing, and this so often gets overlooked. He didn't just die to forgive you. The American church, specifically in the last few decades, has really struggled with only preaching that part of the gospel. He didn't die just to forgive you. He, he didn't die just to get sin out of you. He died so that he could live in you, right? He died so he could get inside, so the Spirit of God could come and live in you. He didn't just die so you could be forgiven, but he died so you could have power in your life. He wants you to have spiritual power. 
because he died and cleaned us up, our hearts can now be a home for the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the, the triune God, like, like the Spirit, right? The Spirit of God. He is God. He's not like some spooky force or like the, the guy we don't talk about. No, he, he is God. Jesus died so your heart could be a home for God himself. You could be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit, he empowers us to become the people that he created us to be originally. In the Holy Spirit, he gives us power over our sins. There is power available for you. He gives us power in carrying out the mission that he's given us. And we in the church, we so often forget about the Holy Spirit. We just don't talk about him a whole lot. And this is crazy to me because the Holy Spirit is introduced right away in Genesis 1-2. Right, we see it right there. In fact, in those first three verses, we get introduced to all three persons of the triune God. It says, or God the Father is found in verse one. It says, in the beginning, God, right? God the Father. Then God the Son is found in verse three. When God speaks and creates through his speech, we know in John one that Jesus is the word of God. When God speaks and words come out of his mouth, that is Jesus bringing into action. But what's important for our conversation is verse two. It says this, let's read it again. It says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, so Moses, he, he tells us that, or that when the earth was in chaos, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the face of the waters. I keep thinking of Harry Potter imagery. We're going to Harry Potter 3, right? What's the bird's name? Buckbeak? Okay, so when he's like flying over the water, right? And Harry's on there like, yeah! Okay, that part, you all know it. The Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. All right, so the two key words there are spirit and hovering. Okay, so spirit in the Hebrew is ruach, which means air in motion or wind, breath, spirit, or life force, you gotta be careful with that word because he's not a force, but, but that's what spirit means. So Moses is literally saying uh, that the Holy Spirit is the wind of God, right? Like, like the breath of God. Okay, so the wind of God is hovering over the formless and chaotic pre-creation. And the word hovering is, is rakaf, and it's a word that is used in other places to describe an eagle readying to strike its prey. It carries this idea that the Holy Spirit is waiting to strike into the world. So, so Moses tells us that while the earth was formless, while it was chaotic and not in order, it was disorderly. The Spirit of God was there, right? The wind of God was hovering. He was ready. He was waiting to spring into action and create beauty out of chaos. He was waiting to bring life and vitality. He was eager to create the world. He was waiting on the word of the Son to do so. And this gives us an, an important truth. The Spirit is eager to bring beauty out of chaos. It's a part of his very nature. He loves to do it. So whenever the wind of God sees chaos, he wants to bring order and beauty. And this is what he does in the, in the creation account. As God speaks, he takes the chaos of pre-creation and make something beautiful, including the sun and the moon. The moon's been looking really cool lately. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Like last night, I saw the International Space Station go across the sky because I have this app that tells me about it. 
I was really excited. That's like what you get excited about when you're 30. You're like, yeah, International Space Station, great night, time for bed. All right, so, okay, so moon, stars, the land, ocean, animals, vegetation, and then the crown jewel of creation, human beings, the spirit is bringing beauty where there is chaos. He, he loves to do it. He, he loves to bring life where there's death. He, he loves to bring something where there's nothing. He loves to bring beauty where there's chaos. He, he really loves to do this in human beings and God's image bearers. Before Jesus came in the Old Testament, the spirit was limited in his work in human beings. And he did not yet live on the inside of our hearts. Instead, what he would do is he would simply rest on certain people, typically prophets, priests, and kings, but there's some others, and he would rest on them for special occasions, but he would not dwell in people all the time like he does now. And this is part of why the Israelites struggled so much with obeying God, right? They didn't have their hearts changed. Their hearts were not inhabited by the Holy Spirit, so it was very difficult to obey God. And the spirit back then couldn't change people from the inside out like he does now. Ezekiel, though, he, he prophesied about a time when this would change and the spirit would be put in us and we would be able, we'd want to love and obey God. So nobody's got to twist our arm now. Like, like, or we actually want to obey him. It says this in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. He says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And we see this, or this prophecy come to pass in the New Testament. Jesus, he makes the Holy Spirit available to all believers, okay? So because he died again, our hearts can be a home for the Holy Spirit's presence. And when we put our faith in Christ, the Spirit, he comes to live in us and, and dwell inside our hearts. All Christians, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, all Christians have the Holy Spirit. It says this in Romans 8, 9. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, so the Holy Spirit does not belong to him. So Paul says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't truly belong to Christ. Therefore, if you're a born-again Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is available, and he's dwelling in every Christian. So if God feels like really far away from you, and you're a Christian, he's actually in you, right? That should kind of like mess us up a little bit. So the Spirit of God lives in us. And this means that just as he brought beauty out of chaos in the creation story, he can bring beauty out of chaos in your life, right? The Holy Spirit can bring beauty out of chaos in your life. He can do that in every life that is surrendered to Jesus. No one is exempt from that. Every person that is surrendered to Jesus, the Holy Spirit can come in and do the kinds of things that he did in Genesis chapter one. If you're struggling tonight, I almost said this morning, tonight, uh, there's great hope, right? The spirit can help you. He is like an eagle waiting to strike in your life. He's hovering over your life right now. He, he is waiting to have more of you. It says in James 4, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you, right? It's not God we're waiting on. He's waiting on us, right? He is eager to, or to strike in your life. I remember when I was partying in high school, I would still go to church every Sunday. Like, I was really weird, like I would party, but there are certain things, I'm not missing church, 
I'm still tithing. Like, there's just weird things that I committed to still doing. Like, Lord, hopefully you see what I'm doing. I'm at church right now. But uh, so I, I would go to church every Sunday. And there was one time when I was in church, and I remember I hugged my pastor that day. And I was like, oh, please don't smell the alcohol in my breath. Because I don't know if I didn't brush my teeth or what. But anyways, I was concerned that he would be able to smell what was going on the night before. And I was just hung over. But during worship, uh, there's a song playing called Amazed, okay? I, I want to sing it, but after the last song I tried singing, I don't know if I should, but the point is, one of the lines was, you dance over me when I'm unaware, right? You dance over me when I am unaware. <laughs> I remember, I'm sitting there, I'm hungover, and I remember, I'm like, oh, he's like, he's right there. I could like feel the spirit. I'm like, oh my goodness. I could feel like the overwhelming love of God in that moment. And what blows my mind is that the spirit in that moment could see the moment right now, me preaching to you. He could see all of it. He knew what was coming. He's waiting. He's like, Daniel, you can keep messing around for a little while longer, but I'm about to strike. Right? It only took about a year later when he struck in my life in a big way. But he was hovering over me. It's as if I could feel the spirit dancing over me in that moment. Even though I was being an idiot even though I had done so many terrible things, I could sense the Holy Spirit waiting to strike in my life, and eventually he would. Okay, with that said, what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to bring beauty out of the chaos in your life? Okay, so let's look at what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit. His most, most, wholesome, or his most extensive teaching on the Holy Spirit is found in John 14 through 16. You can just read those chapters, and you'll get a lot of information about the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna try to run through it quickly here. Okay, so John 14... Uh, 16 through 18, he says this. This is Jesus. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, and you know him for he dwells with you, and he's gonna be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay, so here, it's very important. He refers to the Holy Spirit as our helper. In the Greek, that's the word paraclete or parakletos, and it's really difficult to translate this. If you came to church on Sunday, this is review, okay? So you heard me say this about two days ago, but bear with me. Okay, so the, uh, this word is very difficult to translate in a way that you can catch the fullness of the word. It means advocate, comforter, counselor, and helper all in one word. So taken together, the word literally means one who comes alongside. So this word gives the imagery of walking with the Spirit and relying on him moment by moment. He is next to us. He, he's with us. So when Jesus walked the earth, he could only be in one place at one time. He couldn't be everywhere at once. However, now through the Holy Spirit, he's accessible and available all the time. In fact, he lives in us. Okay, so this is the first way he brings beauty, is he brings beauty by walking with us in friendship. He's always available. When you're lonely, he's available. When you're feeling down, he's there. There's no place you can go, not even to a party on the, on, in the houses around here that I'm always... They're, I'm not sure if they're clean, so I'm just saying. But anyways, the house is around here or the hill, whatever. He's even there if you're a Christian. He, he, he is in you no matter where you're at. He's available at all times. He is available to, uh, to walk with you, okay? So instead of you running the show, the Spirit is now available for 24-7 help. He is eager to do life with you. He is given to be with us forever, not just on your good days, guys, right? Not just like, hey, when you're doing well, the Spirit's available. No, he says, with you forever. He dwells in you. You're not an orphan. 
Some of you feel like you're an orphan. You are not an orphan. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God lives in you, you're not alone. He's with you. He's not forgotten about you. That should be very comforting. We cannot outrun the Spirit's presence. He's always available. He's always ready to have intimacy and friendship. And we see another way that the Spirit brings beauty in verse 15. So Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then the next verse is when he talks about the Spirit. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So he says again, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then right after, he's saying, don't worry. You can't do this on your own. I'm sending you a helper who's going to help you obey my commandments. It's only through the Holy Spirit that you can love and obey Jesus. On your own, you have no hope. It's through the Spirit that we love and obey Jesus. He's the one who helps us grow in love for Jesus and helps us obey. He wants us to obey more than we want to obey. And he's available. He's ready to help us. When we are born again, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings our hearts to life. He saves us. He seals us for the day of redemption. And then he also enables us to grow up into Christ's likeness. He helps us love Jesus more and more. All right, then we see another way that he brings beauty in 1426 and then also in 1613. I'm just gonna read them both. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then 1613, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The Spirit of God is our own personal tutor who teaches us about God. He helps us remember what we learned on Tuesday nights, right? He helps us remember what we learned in our times of Bible reading and study and prayer. He guides us into the truth. He corrects us when we're off. He affirms us when we're on. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, he brings beauty by, by teaching us and by helping us remember truth, the truth sets us free. That's what Jesus said in John 8. So he is very concerned about helping you understand truth, but it's your job to yield to him as he tries to teach you and not to block him out because it offends you or because it's, it's something you don't wanna hear, right? So we have to yield to him and let him teach us. He is the best teacher. And then just after Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will teach us, he says this in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, and let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus is about to be crucified, but he assures his disciples that they will have peace in the midst of trial, in the midst of persecution, and eventually in the midst of their deaths, as all of them besides John would give their life for the gospel. But it was only through the Holy Spirit that they could have peace. Okay, so that's the, the fourth thing. He brings beauty by giving us peace and comfort when it doesn't make sense. Paul talks about that in Philippians 4. He says that, that, that peace that surpasses understanding is available to us, right? right? Peace and comfort in the midst of hard circumstances is available, and when we're given that, we should recognize that that's the Holy Spirit giving us that supernatural peace. If you're struggling with peace, which I know a lot of you are, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Don't always have your immediate reaction be to turn to worldly solutions. Start with the Holy Spirit, right? Some of you, there's times, and I don't know if it's anyone in this room, but I, I just know there's times when I was the director that, that you'd be struggling with anxiety on a Tuesday night, so then you stay in your dorm. You don't come to Kyle. That just seems backwards to me, right? Go be in community, be in, in the presence of God. Not that you can't have God's presence in your dorm, but there's something about where two or three gather, Right? So come to a place where the Spirit of God is moving. 
He can give you peace and comfort. And don't buy the lie that he can't. The world wants to tell you that the spirit can't set you free from depression and anxiety and those types of things. No, he can, and he's very capable. I, I prayed with people who have been set free from those things in a moment, right? He can do that in your life. He doesn't do it for everyone, right? There are people who, it's okay to take medication, all that. I'm not saying anything against that. And there are people who pray for that, and it doesn't happen. But I wanna urge you to pray and to start with the spirit, right? Don't always go to a worldly solution. He can give you peace and comfort. I remember there was a time, for some reason, I get really anxious about doing weddings, like in terms of officiating. I just think there's a lot of like pressure, you know, you gotta say all the right things. And I was super anxious, like my third wedding, I was super anxious. Actually, John and Casey Griffin, if you know them, pretty good people, right? So I was really anxious the night before their wedding. And I, I stumbled upon a sermon on John 14, 27, and the preacher preached a simple truth. He said, there's peace in your pocket. He's like, it's right there. You just gotta grab it. I'm like, okay, how do I grab it? And that's all he said the whole time was there's peace in your pocket. I'm like, okay, dude, I'm like, where's the practical application here? And I don't know how to explain it. At the end when he prayed, something shifted. There was peace in my pocket. I'm like, oh, there it is. Something changed in my heart. I can't explain it. There was no practical thing I did, but I had supernatural peace and I have not struggled with anxiety like that since. Weddings now, I don't get anxious anymore. I don't get anxious like I used to. I don't know. I just know that Jesus said he'll give you peace, and I know that there's times I've prayed for peace, and then I have it. Nothing practical happened. The Holy Spirit just moved in my heart, and I believe that tonight he wants to set some of you free and give you peace and show you that he's real, right? He can give you peace. We can have peace while following God on this campus because the Holy Spirit, he lives in us, and that's part of his nature to bring peace. All right, we see one more way that the Holy Spirit, well, not one more, there's actually two more. So another way that or we see that the Spirit brings beauty is in, in 14, or no, it's in 16, seven through eight. It says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus again. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This is all of your favorite one. He convicts us of of sin, right? When you did that thing you shouldn't have done and you feel real, you like, afterwards you're like, oh, that was not worth it. With what I'm dealing with right now in my heart, that conviction, it was totally not worth it, right? Have you been there before? Like you do something really dumb, it sounds great in the moment, and then afterwards it's like, this, like God's got his finger on you, like you knew what you were doing, right? Like that's conviction. But it's important to understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. Okay, so condemnation is when we feel guilt, and shame in a way where we feel like we could never change. We feel like we're trapped. We feel like God could never love us. It's like suffocating. But conviction is when God's love stirs us to want to change and to leave those destructive lifestyles. So conviction, or the way I like to think of it, is it calls us up higher. Like condemnation likes to smash us. Conviction is calling us to rise up into God's will for our lives and to leave our lives of sin. Okay, so when we sin, the spirit is there as a loving guide towards repentance. That's God's mercy for you, calling you to repent. That is his mercy. A great example of this is, is something that happened during my senior year of college. So I, I went here for two years, and then I went to a Bible college called North Central in Minneapolis. If you're feeling called to ministry, don't leave us. Okay, don't do what I did, but that's what I did. I left, and if you feel called to that, whatever, but I want you all to say. Anyways, I, I was taking a class on biblical Greek, and one of our assignments was to read the Greek New Testament alongside our devotions every day, and then we had to write some stuff down about it. Okay, so for me, instead of reading it every day, I was doing it all the night before, 
right? You're supposed to do it daily. It's like this daily practice. Instead, I just do it the night before, like all seven days. And honestly, I didn't think anything of it. I just did it. I was like, I didn't have time. I'm doing it now. It's getting done. That's great. I didn't feel any conviction at all. However, randomly, it was like April. It was towards the end of the year. I'd taken that class both semesters, you know, Greek 1A, then Greek 1B. And all of a sudden, during Chi Alpha service at the University of Minnesota, where I was an intern at the time, I began to feel the Holy Spirit's conviction. Like, I had not thought about it before. And all of a sudden, he's like, you know what you've been doing in Greek? Just kind of putting it all on the night before? That is sin. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm not saying this to brag. It's just the reality. I had a 4.0 in college, all through high school. I got a B in health in seventh grade. That was the only time after that I said never again. So I had a 4.0 in college. And the Holy Spirit was, was convicting me, and he was telling me that I needed to tell my professor. And I'm like, this is my last month of my senior year. I'm not screwing up my 4.0 for this, right? It's not a big deal. But he just kept arguing with me about it, and finally I'm like, okay. So I emailed my professor, and I, I kid you not, I was just waiting. Like, like, you know when you're waiting for that email back or that text, you're just like refreshing every minute. I'm waiting for it. The conviction was so strong. And, uh, and to my surprise, she thanked me for telling her, that's what is nice about having Christian professors. She's like, Lord's grace be with you, right? <laughs> so, so she thanked me for telling her. She forgave me and said, hey, why don't you start doing it right for the rest of the semester? And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit convicted me or else I just know my personality in those straight A's would have felt illegitimate for the rest of my life had I not obeyed God in that moment. The Lord knew you know, what was gonna happen and he loves me so much that he didn't want me to deal with that for the rest of my life, feeling like I was a cheat. He knows how I'm wired. And one, it's just the right thing to do, to repent. But he knows how I'm wired, and he wanted to protect my heart because he didn't want me to regret that in the future. Uh, the Holy Spirit, he is the best kind of friend. He, he's the best friend you could ever have. There's no one that comes even close to him. He's such a good friend. He's for you. He's not against you. He's the best helper. He wants what's best for us. He, he wants to walk with us and guide us through the ups and the downs. Uh, there's nowhere on earth that's, that's too high for his presence. There's nowhere too low for his presence. He wants to journey with us. He, he wants to bring beauty and joy to our lives. But there's one more way that I want to point out that the Spirit works in our lives. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because Pastor Derek's going to preach on it next week. So I won't steal it too much. But I got to just give a little bit. Is that Okay. You still awake? Okay. So we saw earlier in the Old Testament that Ezekiel prophesied that the Spirit would, or he would live in us and help us love and obey Jesus. But Joel was a little bit more crazy. Okay, he had another prophecy about the Holy Spirit. He prophesied about a time when the Holy Spirit would be given to all people, and every single person, every single one of you, every person who is yielded to Jesus, every person can operate in the power of God. Like supernatural power, not just like holiness. I'm talking power, like the Holy Spirit moving through you. So it says this in Joel 2, 28 and 29. It says, then it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So prophesying is like giving words for God. So what Ezekiel and Joel are doing, obviously our words are not scripture, but, but what they're doing as prophets, like, like he's saying, hey, every person will be able to speak for God. And your old men will dream dreams. He's saying, like, I'm gonna give people dreams in the night that are from me, uh, that, that reveal truth and, and can bring breakthrough in people's lives. He says, your young men shall see visions. He wants to give some of you visions for the future. Even on the male and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. 
So Joel, he boldly proclaimed that there would be a time where God didn't just minister through pastors, right? Through prophets, priests, and kings, but through everyone. Sons, daughters, old men, young men, male and female servants, the Holy Spirit would empower everybody to perform ministry and bring the kingdom of God to earth. And this prophecy is what Jesus gets at. Just be, This is the last thing he gets at before he ascends to heaven. Okay, so he's about to ascend to heaven in Acts 1. He had already given the disciples the Holy Spirit in the terms of salvation in John 20. He breathed on them, said, receive the Spirit. But now in Acts 1, he says, you don't need just the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of your heart. You need a baptism in the Holy Spirit. So a baptism, what's that word mean? It's baptizo in the Greek. It means to be dunked or immersed or overwhelmed. It's what Hope was talking about happened to her at Paul Retreat. It's getting dunked in the Holy Spirit. He knew that if the disciples were going to complete the mission that he was giving them, they needed to be dunked in the Holy Spirit. Picture water baptism. They need their whole life just to be overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. He says this in chapter one, verse four and five, and then eight. It says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 3, 16, it says, and fire. Okay, it's pretty cool. The Holy Spirit, not many days from now, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then what'll happen? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And, and this is in hostile territory, people that might kill you for sharing the gospel. He said, I'm gonna give you power to be my witnesses on trial before Roman officers, before people who, who can, can cut your head off, right? I'm gonna give you power to witness. I'm gonna give you power to go into communities that have never heard about me, go and preach the gospel, heal people, cast out demons, and start churches. I'm gonna give you supernatural power, not just for the special people, but for everybody. Okay, so the disciples, they didn't just need the Holy Spirit for salvation. They didn't just need the Holy Spirit for their own personal growth and holiness. Uh, they also need the Holy Spirit for the world so they could go and share the gospel with the world. I was walking on campus before service tonight, just looking at students. That, like, they're looking away like, what are you doing, weird guy? But I'm looking at students, just praying for them and believing what would happen if we could get activated as a group and share our faith with all the students on the campus. There's not that many. We could get them all, right? But to do that, we need power. We need boldness. We need uh, to not have a spirit of fear, but to have a spirit of courage. Some of you need courage in this room. You are timid and you need power from on high. You need the spirit of God. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the disciples, what they do, they went and they prayed and God answered. It says they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues in Acts chapter two. And we see this continue to happen throughout the book of Acts. Every time they take the gospel to a new place, that group of believers gets, gets not only saved and baptized in water, but they also get baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see it with the Samaritans in Acts 8. We see it in Acts 9 with the Apostle Paul. He's special, so he gets his own story. In Acts 10, we see it with the Gentiles. Okay, so Gentiles are all non-Jews. And then again, in Acts 19, with a, with a random group of Gentiles, the Ephesians, they're all getting baptized in the Holy Spirit because God knew that for these people to take the gospel forward, they needed something special. Right, they needed something supernatural. So for Peter, when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, you gotta think about this. Before Jesus was crucified, he denied Jesus three times. And not just and not to like the Roman officers, he's denying Jesus to little girls. Like, I don't know him. Don't get me, little girl. I don't know him. I'm not the man that you're that or that you're thinking of. And then he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. What happens? 
There's a huge crowd of people in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. He stands up, he preaches the gospel, and this isn't like, hey, God has a wonderful plan for your life. It's you killed Jesus, suckers. Repent and believe in the gospel. He boldly preaches that, and 3,000 people give their lives to Christ. What's the difference? It's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the difference between who you can be on your own strength and who God can make you to be. It's the difference between what you can do and what God can do through you, right? But you need the Holy Spirit. You need him, right? So, so the last way that he brings beauty is by empowering us with boldness. Again, the Holy Spirit is the difference between what you can do on your own strength and what God can do through you. Some of you small group leaders, hear me tonight. I don't care if you have 20 people in your small group, but some of you have been trying to build your small group on your own strength. You spend little time praying for your small group. You spend a lot of time texting and trying to do one-on-ones. And God is calling you to the carpet tonight. He's saying, you need to get to praying. He's saying, I want you to spend more time in prayer than you do strategizing for your small group. If we can get small group leaders and students in small groups praying for their small groups, all bets are off. But it's gotta start with prayer, right? It's gotta start with leaning in and saying, God, we need you. I can't do this on my own strength. Okay, so the question I wanna end with is how do we make room for more of the spirit in our lives? Okay, and this is gonna be quick, so bear with me. I'm just gonna give you two very simple things. The first thing is right after Jesus ascended to heaven in Acts 1.13, it says they went to the upper room. I'm not gonna list their names, like lots of great guys, okay? And also there's some ladies there too. And they were devoting themselves to prayer, right? They devoted themselves to prayer. Devoted, you've heard me say this at church, if you've been at church, it means to give unremitting care to a thing, right? So they gave unremitting care to prayer. And that's what set them up for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were praying and they prayed for days. Some of you pray at the altar for like two minutes and you're like, guess it's not for me today. Try praying for days, Right, And then we'll talk about if it's in God's will to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, which it is. But pray for days. Do we have that kind of grit, right? So they prayed for days, and then the Spirit showed up. So, so the first way, we, our first way we make room for the Spirit is through prayer. And I know that sounds like, so, okay, I know I'm supposed to pray. I know that, okay? I know that sounds like simple, but most of us don't do it. It's simple. Like our level of, of revelation has far exceeded our level of obedience, right? You don't need another sermon on prayer. You just need to start praying. You need to start putting in your calendar, start saying, I'm going to pray, right? If we want more of the Spirit, we need to commune with Jesus in prayer every day. You need to have an appointment with him. I'm, I'm not talking like on the go. I'm talking at set-aside time for prayer. If we pray and ask God for more of the Spirit, I, I promise you he's eager to answer that prayer. I want to encourage you to make time for prayer. I'm ashamed uh, to say this, but before 2022, I really struggled to be disciplined in prayer. I prayed, right? I hope I prayed. I was like, I had already directed Guy Alpha, and then I was pastoring a church, so Lord, I hope I prayed. But it was very on the go. It's very sporadic. It was kind of like, it was more like the Bible reading time. I kind of pray as I was reading the Bible, but, or the Bible, but there was really like no set-aside time. In January of that year, because I had a goal, like every year at the top of my journal, I'd have a goal, like, I want to become a man of prayer, and it never happened. In January of that year, I said, I'm becoming a man of prayer. I'm gonna set a timer. I'm gonna pray for 30 minutes every day. I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna do it every day. I started doing that. And now it's, it's a discipline in my life. Every morning at around 5.30, you'll find me praying for at least like 20 to 30 minutes at least. And I, I do it on a prayer walk. It's easier for me to pray while I'm walking. If I'm sitting in a room by myself, it's harder. 
ever since I've committed to this, I can't explain it, but there are things that I was struggling with for years that the Lord has broke off my life. Like, he just changed my heart in so many ways. I, and I'm not saying this is a measure of spirituality, so bear with me for a second, but I cry all the time now. I'm not saying that's a measure of spirituality. I'm just saying for me, the Lord has really softened my heart in a, like a profound way. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like Before, I never cried. Now I cry like five times a week. I'm like, oh, that's such a good song. Random, like Ed Sheeran came out with the song Magical. I cried. <laughs> I cried. I don't know why. It's just a great song. It's just got the vibes going. If you haven't listened to that, you should listen to it. I think it's appropriate, isn't it? I sent it to Derek. He was like, I thought this was gonna be a worship song. I, I sent it to him. I said, this is like the best song ever. And he's like, Ed Sheeran, really? That's where we're at? But uh, so anyways. So the point I'm making, it's not about crying. I'm just saying the Lord has just really softened my heart as I've been in his presence every day. And there's a lot of days, guys, where I'm on a prayer walk and nothing crazy happens. It's not like I get struck from heaven every time I'm on a prayer walk. There's times where I just thought about something the whole time. But I think the Lord honors that, saying, hey, this is time for me. He honors it, even if I'm just thinking about things. He can hear those thoughts, right? And, and I'm with him. It's like I'm having coffee with him and just kind of like, just like talking like about like stuff I'm going through, through my thinking, okay? So anyways, I could talk a lot more about prayer. We need to move on. So there's another piece uh, that's important though, and this is just as important. It says this in Galatians 5, 16 through 17. Paul says, I never understood this until recently. He said, he said but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So Paul says uh, to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the, or desires of the flesh. In other words, he's saying we need to say yes to God and no to our sinful natures, right? Walk by the Spirit saying yes to God and, and then say no to our sinful natures. The desires of our sinful nature are against the desires of the Spirit. So with that in mind, if we want more of the Spirit, if we, want to, if we want to walk by the Spirit, we need to say no to sin. In other words, we need to obey Jesus. We need to do what he tells us to do. So, so walking with the Spirit, it's actually very simple. It's just doing the next thing that God tells you to do. So, so the second and final way, which there's probably more, but it's what I got for you, or the second way to, uh, to make room for the Spirit is obedience. And for some of you, that might look like going to fall retreat next weekend. You've been debating. You're like, I don't know if I want to give that time. I remember John Kruger played drums tonight. He's an alumni now, uh, did the CMIT. His wife is now our kids pastor at St. Church, Kennedy Kruger. I remember John Kruger. I had to fight him to get into fall retreat. Where's he at? Are you in here? I'm still mad at you about that. <laughs> I had to wrestle him. He's like, like, or was it the tuba or the trumpet? There, I, I got to practice my trumpet. I said, bring your trumpet to fall retreat, right? We'll just have a trumpet session out in the yard, right? He came, though. His life changed. His life absolutely changed. I think that's where you realized you're supposed to be with Kennedy, right? Yeah. So, hey. <laughs> so, uh, so go to fall retreat. If you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. Well, actually, Derek will, but I'm just kidding. But, uh, so, okay, fall retreat. Also, it could be confessing a sin, something you've been hiding. You, you think people will like, think differently of you. They're not going to. Oh, if, if, if these are good people, if your smart leaders are, if your smart leaders are good people, which I know they are, right, they're not gonna think differently of you for, for being honest. Actually, for me, whenever someone confesses a sin to me, I respect them more. I, I think more highly of them because it takes courage to bring that stuff into the light. So I wanna encourage you to confess a sin 
Or maybe it looks like making more time for Chi Alpha or for small group or church. I'm a little biased. I like seeing you guys there. When none of you are there on a Sunday, I'm like, I'm like, they better not be sleeping. They better not be sleeping, Lord. Wake them up. Get them here. You're at home, whatever. But if you're sleeping, I'm sad, all right? Or it could look like saying yes to reading your Bible in the morning, saying I'm going to get up early and spend some time, even if you're not getting the feelings, right? Just be disciplined with it. It could be saying yes to sharing your faith with that classmate or maybe praying for that classmate, just making discipline time to pray. If you want more of the Spirit, you have to obey. Simply put, so many of us want a way around it. But like I said, our revelation has already far exceeded our obedience. We need to obey the things he's told us to do. The Spirit of God is hovering over your life, but the question is, will you let him in? Right? He's waiting for you. Will you pray and ask him to come? Will you obey and make room for him to come? You'll never regret making more room for the Holy Spirit in your life. I promise you, I've never regretted it. Like, hey, more of God who's good and perfect and loving, Ah, I, I wish I wouldn't have done that, right? No, you'll never regret it. Okay, main idea tonight is this. The Spirit of God is waiting to strike in your life. He's waiting to strike. At the beginning of my message, I shared my journey up until college. Okay, so just before getting to you and I, I had that radical encounter with the love of God, but I still needed something more. I was still struggling with pornography and with girls and with following through in my life. A couple weeks into the semester, my pastor tried to get me to go to something called fall retreat. Here we are 12 years later. I'm trying to get you to go. I'll be honest, I did not want to go. Back then, I did not like nature. I certainly did not like anything that even resembled a summer camp. A summer camp, I'm out. I didn't care if it was fall. I didn't care if it was called retreat. Sounds like summer camp, and I ain't going. My pastor, what he did, back then Calvin was like 12 people, so he could do this. He called my mom. He said, give me your phone. I'm calling your mom. I'm like, okay. And, and he asked her, because I told him I don't have the money. Back then it was like 40 bucks, okay? So that was before inflation. But uh, so, uh, and, and he asked her if she would pay for it. I'm so glad that he asked her that question, because she did pay for it. And, and I went, and I came into that retreat again, addicted to pornography, it was something that had consumed my life for six years, but on the Friday night of that retreat, I went to the altar and Jesus set me free in that moment. Just set me free as friends prayed for me and as I confessed it to them and to the Lord, he set me free. And then on Saturday, I heard about this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And honestly, I didn't know anything about that before fall retreat. My church had never taught on it. Uh, they believed in it, but hadn't taught on it. And I, or he walked us through the scriptures. He showed it in scripture. I was like, okay, if it's in scripture, I want it. I need it. I knew I needed power in my life. I knew I needed something more. So I, I went to the altar. Nothing too crazy happened. I just went to the altar, began praying, and I could sense the spirit of God filling me. And I spoke in other tongues for the first time. And my experience up until this point in my life was I would have these types of experiences, but then they would wear off. Right? I'd be like, great moments of emotion, but they would wear off. But this retreat was different. The Spirit had gripped me in a way that he never had before. I made a decision in that moment. I said, I'm not going to let the baptism of the Spirit stay at this retreat. It's not staying at this altar, but I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to pray in tongues, and I'm going to keep on being filled with the Spirit each and every day. After the retreat, I started reading the Bible, started praying on a daily basis. 
I started sharing my faith with my friends. Again, I was set free from porn completely. I started honoring God in my relationships, and I married Emily 20 months later. was still married 10 years later, and four kids. Did I ever show the picture? You got the picture? Shut up. Just pop it up there quick. So there's my, our kiddos, right? So Emily is one of the other 12 kids at the retreat. It was a pretty rocking time. But anyways, we got married. Now you can see what God's done since then. Right, beauty out of chaos. Right, beauty out of chaos. Before the retreat, my life was chaotic. Again, doing things I shouldn't have done in the dorms with girls. Beauty out of chaos. He forgave me, set me free. He gave me that wonderful wife and these wonderful kids, right? He brings beauty out of chaos. As I yielded to the Spirit and Jesus filled me with the Spirit, beauty began to just rise up in my life. And honestly, guys, and I, I gotta be careful saying this because I don't want it to come across the wrong way and I don't want my heart to be in the wrong place, but I'm being honest when I say this. Like, like 12 years later, I love Jesus way more now than I did then. Like it's only, I've only grown in the Lord and that doesn't mean that I've never had down moments, right? But it's not like it was before where I'd like, you know, backslide and things like that. It's like, it's been constant fire for Jesus for 12 years and it's only through the Holy Spirit. It's not through anything I can do. It's through prayer, it's through obedience, it's through doing what he, or doing the things he tells us to do and, and seeking him. As I've allowed the spirit to come in and lead me, everything has changed. And so let me end tonight by putting it on you. The spirit is waiting to strike in your life. Have you yielded to him? Have you surrendered to him? Have you allowed him to make your life beautiful? If so, that's great. Right? I hope some of you have, have yielded to the spirit, but I wanna encourage you, don't settle for where you're at. There's always a deeper depths to go with the spirit, right? with God, with, with Jesus. There's always deeper places to go. Do not settle. Right? Don't feel like you've arrived. Keep going deeper, lean into prayer and obedience. Seek to go deeper into God's heart. It's like an ocean, God's heart. If you never get to the depths of it, keep going deeper and deeper. If you haven't yielded, or if you haven't yielded to the Spirit, it's time to make room for Him in your life. I want to do something. Let's stand up all across this room. So I just want to do something really simple. Here's the thing. I actually believe God is real. Hopefully you realize that. Because I believe he's real, I believe that God can do more in a moment of silence than, than I can do with all my words. Okay, so what I want you to do is put your hands out in front of you like this. And I want, so if you would actually like speak this out loud, I would appreciate it if, if you want more of the spirit. If you want more of the spirit, I want you to pray out loud and say, come Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's pray that. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, we want more of you, and let's wait on him. Let's wait on him. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. sense there's someone who came in there's probably many that came in tonight and 
you felt so much shame. It took everything to come here because you feel unworthy to be in this room. And right now, I believe the Spirit wants to show you his compassion for you. He's not here to beat you up. His kindness is what leads us to repentance. He loves you on your good days and your bad days. If your heart has felt hard or cold, he wants to warm it up and soften it. Holy Spirit, do that work right now for those who are doubting your love, who, for those who are believing the lie from the enemy that, that your love is determined by our works. Pray right now that you would speak truth, that you love them right where they're at. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I also just feel like there's people here that that you have bought into the lie that you cannot overcome a sin in your life. Maybe it's pornography, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's marijuana, uh, maybe it's a relationship you're in. You just bought into the lie that you could never overcome it. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. And right now, Jesus wants you to believe that you can be set free and he wants to set you free. So right now, Jesus, pray for those who have bought into the lie that they are chained to their sins for life. I pray that you would just make it real to their spirits. Just make it real that they can be set free. They can have freedom. It says in your word, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So right now, Lord, I pray for freedom all across this room. I I pray for bondage to pornography to be broken off in Jesus' name. God, I pray for bondage to alcohol to be broken off in Jesus' name. Bondage to bad relationships. Uh, whether they be romantic relationships or friendships that are not helpful, I pray that, they, or that bondage will be broken off in Jesus' name. I, I pray that, uh, or that bondage to what parents think of us will be broken off in Jesus' name. Maybe there's a parent in this room or you have a parent who, who doesn't like that you're going after the Lord. It threatens them because they're not going after the Lord. And right now, the Lord wants to set you free from, from caring about that from, or from putting their opinion over God's opinion. Yes, Lord. Pray for freedom to reign in this place where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. It's who you are, Lord. You're the one who brings freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. All right, we're going to keep seeking the Lord here in a moment in worship. I just want to end just by casting vision for the group as a whole. If we can be a people who lean into the spirit and make room for him, everything can change everything can change. We'll get free of sins. We'll get free of fear. Some of you need to be set free of fear. You are gripped by fear and he can set you free of that. I believe we'll have greater power in our witnessing on the campus. Our small groups are going to have more fruit. Small group leaders again, not you trying to force fruit, but the fruit naturally coming as the spirit works through you. But to get to that kind of place, we need more of the spirit. So so let's just end with prayer and then we're going to just worship. The altars will be open. Uh, yeah, let's just get along with the Lord here for a little bit. So I'm just going to pray for us, and then we'll do that. So Lord, let's pray right now across this room that our group would be a group that is in love with all of you, right? A group that is in love with the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would make room for your Spirit. And I pray that as we do, that all the things we talked about, about how he brings beauty out of chaos, would happen in our lives, that, uh, or that we would be taught uh, your commandments and remember your commandments, that that we would would sense your presence in everyday life, that we would have power in our witnessing. I just pray that as we make room for the Spirit, that beauty would spring out. So God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to sing a song. We're actually going to sing a song from 2004 because I asked for it. So let's sing a song I talked about at the beginning. 
And then, yeah, we'll worship. And Pastor Doug is going to close up in a bit. But I do want to say the altars are open. If you want to pray at the altar, if you want to grab a seat and kind of get alone, let's just kind of make a little room here in these last few minutes for the Lord to do his thing.